This is Inkset, CITR 101.9 FM. My guest today is uh, Christopher Forges. Um, your books, your main books right now are Power Masters, uh, Volumes 1 and 2, but you're also in a whole plethora of stuff, including uh, Kramer's Ergot. You're in, I think, all the volumes since Volume 4. Are you in Volume 3? Uh, I don't remember which number is which. <laughs> Uh, I think the first one I was in was the one that Matt did the cover for. Yeah, that's that's the fourth one. Um, and then before that, your uh, comic was Low Tide, which I have not seen. And okay. uh, you're also in Paper Rodeo. Am I missing anything? Oh, yeah, the the latest one, the Caligula mini-comic, which I couldn't find before doing this. It's in my house somewhere, but under a stack of books. So how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Now... I guess uh, let's get a little background on you because there's not a lot of stuff out there. You kind of uh, carefully keep yourself uh, out of the internet, I guess. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> how did you uh, first get into comics? What What was your love of comics from? Um. Well, I grew up in a pretty small town. That's sort of middle of nowhere, so, um, I don't know, I guess just trying to escape or something, and it was just a cheap way to do that, um, couldn't, didn't really have access to movies or anything like that too much, um, and comics were just like a visual way of, um, escaping a little more. What were uh, some stuff you were reading growing up? Well, I couldn't even really get to um, like a comic store or even like a newsstand very easily. Um, so I would read the newspaper cartoons every day. Just like um, just every single day I'd read all the strips, even the ones I didn't like. <laughs> a little Marmaduke? Yeah, just all that. <laughs> and um and then there was collections, the Smithsonian collections of, like, old cartoon strips. Mm-hmm. I would get those at the library, because that's, like, what they had at the library or whatever. Um, so I'd read those a lot. And then a lot of times there'd be books that were sort of about those cartoons, but didn't actually print many of them. So that was really interesting, like, because um, you'd see just a few panels of something or maybe, like, one page and then that'd be it. Like the um, the one that Patrick McDonald did about uh, Crazy Cat? I don't know. I haven't seen that book. But yeah, probably something <laughs> like that. Just like, but more like eclectic, just like cut up, like collage of just like, here's the history or whatever. Here's this thing and that thing and like, here's a little drawing of it. And just like moving on really quickly. And um, there's a lot of stuff that I was into in that way of, like, not being able to actually read it, but once I got a car when I was, like, you know, a teenager, I could go to the comic store, but I still didn't have a lot of money to get stuff, and then there was only, like, one comic store nearby, which was pretty good, but the stuff that I really wanted to read a lot of times wouldn't be there, so I'd get a copy of that, I think it's called Bud Plant Catalog, Mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. 
I don't know if that still happens or not. I bet it probably does. But it's still it's, like uh, it's an online store and wholesaler, I think. Okay. Well, I would get those catalogs because they throw them out, and that was just like a phone book full of um, full of, like cover art, basically, for different comics. So I would see like uh, you know like cover for like Strontium Dog or something like that, <laughs> or. Um, I don't know. Just some weird, like, horrible comic. Uh, and I would just sort of imagine what it would be like. And, um, I don't know. I feel like that's a really key thing as far as when I was a kid growing up thinking about comics. It's like so much of what I liked, I was just imagining that it existed or something like I would hear about a comic and I would imagine what it would be like and it was almost as if I'd read it even though I didn't even know what it was about or something um I don't know like uh, also seeing movies I think when you're ma- when you're a little kid sometimes it can be like that where you're watching uh this movie and you're seeing the shapes and the colors and like the basic attributes of the characters but you can't follow the specifics of the storyline but somehow you like penetrate the energy of the movie even more because of that mm-hmm. and um, I feel like that was my relationship to comics a lot when I was younger I remember there was a little craze during the mid 90s for um, Ashcan comics which is like a mock up yeah the little mock up like, kind of like a mini comic but yeah and that supposedly you know or, I mean certainly I guess in the old days they would make them and uh, you know, like as a test run or whatever, and they became really valuable. And then in the 90s, they were like, How are we going to make everything really valuable? <laughs> so they were like, Let's do an Ashcan <laughs> comic of this comic that's going to come out in like a month. But it was cool because it would just be, they'd be, they'd be printings of, of, you know, just pencils or whatever. And, um, I just, I was just like my favorite thing. I remember there was one for, that Matt Wagner did for his Batman Grendel crossover. Mm. Goddamn, I looked at that thing like a hundred times because you could just, you could see that someone had actually drawn it and that was, so there was like little things in there that you could um, hold on to, you know, to like sort of figure out how it was done just from the mark making or whatever. And I think a lot of the comics that I liked when I was younger had that, kind of energy like Uranus or something and I was really into this comic called Stark Future there was a air cell comic they're a Canadian company that um, that's where Dave Cooper got a start yeah they're a cool company like they were they were insulation company and like air conditioning and stuff that had a, a contract with the government that was co- why they were called air cell <laughs> I didn't even and know that the, and then the contract fell through and um they started publishing comics under the same name. But they used to do a comic called Stark Future that was, like, real... The first couple issues are just, like, so crude. It's really um, remarkable. And uh, I had the first issue of that, and even though it's made in Canada, for some reason I was under the delusion that it was made locally, that it was made in the next city over. And I must have read it, like, a hundred times, and every time I read it I was picturing a guy sitting in an apartment, you know, in the nearby city, like, making it, which is totally not true. But um, I thought it was true when I was little. So. Well, Canada's not that far from 
Massachusetts. <laughs> Not that far, yeah. <laughs> Just a couple of horse rides away. When did you start making your own comics? Mm, I tried a lot when I was little, but I was very frustrated because reading comics is so easy and making them is so difficult. And, um, you know, it takes so little time to read them, and it just takes so long to make them. Um, so I would get uh, frustrated pretty quick. And comics are pretty hard to draw if you don't know how to draw at all. <laughs> <laughs> you have to draw everything all at once. You know, if you're just making one drawing, you can kind of fake it, and you're like, all right, well, there's this guy, and there's this car, and, like, those are some things I know how to draw, and you don't have to draw, like, the inside of a house and a microphone and, like, a wagon wheel. You can just draw a couple things, and that's good. But with comics, you have to draw everything, 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 and, like... Over and over yeah, and over again. It was really shocking to me, like, how much... I could see right away, like, how much I was going to have to learn or how much I was going to have to work on it in order to do it. When I was younger, I had, you know, high-minded ambitions of working at Image Comics or something like that. And, uh... <laughs> I just, uh... I don't know. I, I wanted... I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I had these weird ideas that were more about drawing than they were about comics. Yeah. Like, I, I really wanted to be an inker. For some reason, I didn't want to actually draw them. I, I just wanted to deal with ink. You just wanted to be a part of the process. I just liked that material or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like later I got into graffiti for the same reason, just like, I just like spray paint. And, um, I thought that was a really weird idea, and then when I started finding out about painters like Frank Stella or something, who were just like, these paintings are just about paint, and I was like, yeah, this is like the same thing. Just like, industrial or something. Is I don't know, when I was younger, I was really interested in materials. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was I was interested in things that seemed to be conflicting. Like I was I liked even as a teenager I really liked minimal art even though I wasn't sure like what it was or something. You say minimal art? Time, yeah. And at the same time I liked um I don't know, like Egon Schiele or something. Like something that's really like fruity and uh you know, loaded with emotional content and, like, a lot of, like, fine line quality and stuff like that. So those are sort of extremes, like, opposite end of the spectrum extremes that I was really interested in. So did you go to art school? Uh, yeah. I went to school in Boston. Uh, that was pretty miserable. <laughs> but I met, I met uh, Ben Jones there, so that was a good aspect to it. And this other great cartoonist Keith Waters that's pretty uh, inactive as far as drawing goes generally speaking but when he does do stuff it's really good so I met both of those guys there that was that made it almost worth it (laughs) now you and you and Ben were I think I read somewhere you guys were involved in a newspaper together pre-pre yeah we started the Xerox magazine called Paper Radio that um came out every week like I met him and he was kind of the first dude that I met at school that um, I felt like I understood or I was interested in or something I felt like we had something to um, 
something that had to happen between us or something. Mm-hmm. So I suggested to him that we do a, a zine every week um, that we would give up for free that would just be comics and drawings or whatever, and um, anybody could submit to it. But, I mean, you know, mostly our group of friends or whatever. And uh, so we started doing that every week, and that was called Paper Radio. And when we met the dudes at Fort Thunder, we would always give them paper radio, and then they decided to do a monthly newspaper, or what they were attempting to make a monthly (laughs) newspaper. (laughs) And um, they called me one day and were like, "Uh, we're going to call our newspaper Paper Rodeo. You have one week to tell us if you don't like that. And so I never told them anything, so it just became Paper Rodeo. Originally, it wasn't going to have any title at all, their newspaper. But then they were trying to get advertisers for it. Nobody believed that it existed, you know? Because they'd be like, hey, you want ads for this paper? And they'd be like, what's it called? And they'd be like, it doesn't have a name. And they'd just be like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> These funny little art students coming in out of nowhere with this random labelless paper. I can see yeah. that not really uh, succeeding. Yeah.
was working with Ben kind of helping helped you develop your own kind of I guess kind of interest in the actual cartooning process itself? I mean I was always trying to make comics. Mm-hmm. It was just really hard. So I felt like I wasn't really getting it done. <laughs> uh, and I was always trying to find the weirdest thing I could. And then I got I finally got that uh, that Hutch Owens working hard comic. Or actually no. I found out about Chester Brown from Wizard Magazine. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah, so I got a Chester Brown comic, then I got the Drawn and Quarterly catalog, and in the Drawn and Quarterly catalog, there was a Tom Hart comic, Hutch Owens Working Hard, and then in the back of that, there was an ad for Spit and a Half, and so I got King Cat, and then I got the Spit and a Half catalog, so I just went, like, lower and lower and lower. This <laughs> <laughs> most, like, sub-underground, scummy crap. Um, and... And I feel like nowadays I always see, like, horrible zines that are made with, like, ballpoint pen and stuff, but at that time it was like nobody really did that, so I was really excited to get my hands on anything like that that anybody had done. It was just, like, totally just, like, loose grit style. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I found out about all that stuff. So by the time I was going to college, I was trying to make, like, weird, weird comics, you know, which is basically is tried to try to make superhero comics and um i didn't really have a style going i just like it was just very confusing because there were so many things that i liked and they didn't really seem to go together and i didn't know how to make them work together because i liked you know i liked like batman year one and i liked some manga and i liked uh I don't know, I, I love Chester Brown, and I don't know, I just like so many different things, and I didn't really know if it was possible to make the kind of stuff that I wanted to make. Yeah. Um, and then I saw all the Fourth Thunder guy stuff, and that sort of made it seem like anything I wanted to do would be possible, because they were making weird comics, but they're also sort of like superhero comics, and they were real lousy too, you know, in certain ways. Like <laughs> Chip and Dale's early stuff, where he's just he just has a pen and like a notebook, and that's that's kind of it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh wow, you don't even need to use like dip pens or anything. Like you can just I don't know, I can just do whatever I want. So after that realization in my mind, I feel like it still took me a couple of years to like really let go and just um, just kind of like give up or something. And I feel like. When that happened, that's when I sort of started to learn how to really do things more like what I'm doing now. Like, I had to give up first before I could um, move forward. Because if you have a lot of ideas in your head about, like, what what you're trying to do or what you want or, like, what your goal is, then you just, I don't know, it doesn't really work that way, I don't think. Kind of letting go of cartooning baggage. Letting go of everything. Just saying. Just basically, it had to. It had to come down to just. I mean, I just got so frustrated and so annoyed that I just had to be like, "All right, look, like, I'm not an artist. Like, I'm not a cartoonist. Like, I'm not anybody. Like, I'm not doing anything. Um. Like. Whatever. I don't. I'm not. I'm not drawing anymore. Like, I don't care about art, and I don't care about doing things like that 
and that immediately made drawing like so much more fun, you know. And I started doing it all the time. <laughs> one, one That's per- when you get good. Yeah. You know. One person I had him on, and he said like one of the biggest things for him as far as like really being able to work in his cartooning it was like he was really like holding on to everything, and everything was precious. And he said like sitting down with Mark Bell once and just doing jam comics with him and just showing him that you just just let go, just draw it, and just go with whatever comes. And so I think that yeah. that's really important. Like, this idea of, like, getting credit, you know, like, a lot of people are into that idea where it's, like, everything they do, it's kind of hard to explain or put a name to, but it's, like, they want to get credit for it. Like, they want everything they do to be recognized or to be, like, lauded or something, every little thing. So, in turn, like, every little thing they do has to be, like, great in it. I don't know. I just I like the idea of just like garbage and just nothingness and like um, freedom and uh, I guess a certain something that really strikes me with uh, just going by the name of just CF, it's kind of an anonymity. I guess is a good way of putting it. Just like information deleted. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's other things too, but. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like humble by any stretch of the imagination, but more just like the idea that, I mean, there's failure and there's success and these, uh, there's these ideas and like you react to them or whatever, but I just feel like the only way that it makes sense for me to approach art, and even still I have to focus on this, is just as a practice. And practice means, um, you know, you're not thinking really hard the whole time and like crushing yourself because you're not doing it right or you're not like um, just like crucifying yourself about it you're just like just something you do every day whether you want to whether you don't want to like you just don't think about it don't think about drawing don't think about art don't think about comics don't think about anything if you have to think about anything just think about your own life you know Mm -hmm. to do it a lot to do it all the time to commit to it in that way at just a personal practice that's really outside of your relationships and outside of maybe even your relationship to the world and like just I don't know I have, I have this book where I wasn't allowed to use any of the drawings for it like around the time that I quote unquote quit drawing I had this uh, book and I worked in a coffee shop and every day I'd get up really early and go to the stupid job and then I'd come home and then I would just draw in the book until it was time to go to bed every day, and and they had page numbers in it, and I'd keep track of what uh, pages I'd drawn on on what day and write down the date and stuff. But I wasn't allowed to Xerox the drawings. I wasn't allowed to show them to anybody. And that was just a good way to, like, get, I don't know, just get involved with drawing in a way where you have some kind of invincibility it formation kind in of your take, mind. You take away expectations. Yeah, and you're not worried. Just excusing yourself from worrying about what's going to happen. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, throw me through, bring me through, like, some of your process, because it seems like certain works, you have pretty constructed story. In other work, it seems that you just kind of go kind of free form. Is that a good analogy? Mm-hmm. Like if I, don't know. I mean, with a longer thing, then it necessitates a little bit of structure just because 
on and on. Just like with a bunch of gobbledygook. Yeah, well, that Power I Master mean, seems pretty structured. It's fairly structured. I mean, it's not. It's no. Uh, it's. N- I don't know. It's not like a really nicely written novel or something. <laughs> but um. But you have a story. That you there's a story. Yeah, it's, it is happening <laughs> <laughs> slowly. <laughs> main thing about Paramasters is just that it goes at a really slow pace, but, um, yeah, the other things, I don't know, it's all just comes from the, a creative well, and then, um, forms emerge out of that, and then you can just draw them out as much as you want, like, you can ask questions about any aspect of some small little gag you've made, and then, um, bring that out as far as you want, so, it's like everything's like a little seed and it's up to you how much you want to develop it. So sometimes you'll, like, shoot a frame of something, and then it's almost like people are just seeing, like, this one still frame from a movie, mm-hmm. and then they're imagining the rest of the movie. So sort of similar to what I was talking about earlier. And I think that there's something to that, like, kind of, um, I don't know, like, leaving something undone is important. Uh, or just, like, leaving some... Uh, potential in there always a little bit of um, yeah I don't know just like an escape hatch or something. is that what you kind of intend one thing I noticed a lot is you'll have like slow it down slow it down and just like when you have pages and pa- you know not pages but you'll have sequences where it's just kind of this very slow movement and you kind of put a note in there slow it down slow down your reading and different aspects is that kind of so when you're reading it we can kind of go okay well it's the same thing over and over again and just breathe through the page or is it kind of go okay well what's the what's the interaction here and what direction can this go in what do you mean am I trying to lead people in one direction or the other well trying to give people the option of going into different directions like um I, I, I'm trying to remember the, the story there's one where the guy's uh steal the the uh the truck the tank oh yeah, uh-huh, yeah and then yeah. there's part of that where you know you you have a thing at the bottom of one of the panels to slow it down because it's very easy to kind of pound through that strip yeah but like for the reader to kind of step back and go okay well let's you know take it back a second and kind of look at each frame and kind of know what's going on there between each frame or just enjoy yourself you know because it's like um, there's a lot of information there. Comics read really fast, and I feel like most people read them a little bit too fast. Mm-hmm. Because um, of the painting, you know, you're kind of stuck with it. You're like, well, all right, this is the only fucking thing I can look at. Like, <laughs> you're like looking at it, and you're looking at it, and you're looking at it, you know. And um, With comics, it's just like, oh, there's so many things to look at. Like, yep. Oh, that was uh, good. I'll stick that back in the pile. I don't know. And that's good too I don't know Either way is fine I just like Every now and then I get a distinct feeling Like This really should be read Sort of slower Yeah uh, So then I'll just Write that down And people can Ignore that or not <laughs> <laughs> I don't know well, I don't like To set a lot of rules Just generally You know If I have a request Then I'll make it And nobody has to follow it
one thing I noticed looking through um, some of the stuff, it seems like you're using, and, I, and this is especially in the, the Kramers that has the Brinkman cover, and then there's, the, at the end, you've got a couple of pages of just random notes and things, and parts seem like stuff that you wrote when you yeah. were a kid. Am I right? Uh, yeah, that's just, like, collage, like, sediment from, um, I don't know, like, different, I don't know, just, like, sketchbooks and stuff. That's just, like, some fallout or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what is the question? <laughs> um, well, one thing I feel like when reading your work is it seems like you kind of have a linkage between, I guess, your own, and you're, you're talking about this earlier, uh, is like your own childhood imagination with the story you're telling now. And is that kind of, are they related that way of what you're imagining as a kid with your own comics that you came up with your head or your own stories from seeing things and stuff? I think formally they're related, but not, um, not story-wise so much. I mean, the creative energy, I think people connect with the children a lot. Mm -hmm. <coughs> the children are you know, traditionally seen as being unafraid and uninhibited and stuff like that. But that's just that's just creativity. And um, anybody that possesses that power, is, you're going to see those kind of... Um, they're going to be marked that as aspects. Um, but weirdly enough, I feel like a lot of the formal aspects of how I draw comics come out of... Um, I don't know, just like childhood... Uh, strange childhood... Um, mixes of things just like colors and patterns and like I feel like I really reacted to those, to those things a lot when I was little it was like a really really big deal just like shapes and stuff I got really really strong feelings from just shapes and colors and things like that and um, I think maybe those aspects and also the kind of mixing of extremes that I was talking about in terms of um just like highly formal stuff that's so simple that it's almost primordial or something, mm -hmm. like just like the shape of a square or something like that. And then, uh, I don't know, some nice uh, engraving or something like that, or Heinrich Clay or something like some nice ink drawings, or uh, I don't know. Those fascinations are really electric, those, those meetings of those two different kinds of things. And even visually, I think the environment that I grew up in is a little bit like that in terms of just, like, there's woods and there's forest and there's, like, earth and there's, like, all these rich tonal values and stuff. And then there's this house that's built in the mid-'80s and it has, like, gray sideboards and perfectly straight lines and, like, 90-degree angles. And then the objects that are contained inside of it are... Um, similar to that, like a bread box, and, um, you know, like a square is extremely futuristic, it's a very, um, kind of like godless, uh, disconnected, um, or maybe godlike kind of energy to that, it doesn't really seem like it's from planet Earth, mm -hmm. it's certainly not from, doesn't seem like. It's not natural. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, ultimately, but, yeah, it doesn't seem like it is. And um, I guess that's the kicker, you know? <laughs> it's all... It's not natural. It's, it's all natural, you know? It's all in there, but it doesn't... I don't know. Something visually about the meeting of those two 
dreams, and I think that, you know, a lot of people in the 70s, artists were playing with that in the 70s, like, oh, organic and inorganic, like, what happens when they meet, and I, I see a lot of fascination with that, too, with a lot of, like, young drawing-oriented artists now, there's a lot of, like, amorphous shapes meeting hard plane geometries and things like that, and, um, I don't know, that's a pretty simple thing to play with, that's, like, pretty, um, pretty basic thing, but I think it points to something important about, or something mysterious maybe about uh, just like the electricity of life and the extremes of life, mm -hmm. um, and can be a way to talk about moral extremes or, uh, I don't know, any other, any other kind of black and white thing like that. I'm very interested in that, that point of intersection where um, something gets so uh, depraved that it has a certain kind of nobility or when something gets so um, I don't know selfless and high-minded that it becomes very uh, cruel or something I don't know those are interesting that's what they, I don't know that's you, what I'm you yeah. get fascinated by different aspects of things it sounds like of how you can take something apart and look at it in different angles. Just that fulcrum, that seesaw point of um, where dualities kind of fail or something, it where um, good and evil and ideas like that uh, are kind of disintegrating and um, strange frequencies are mixing and like combining to make third things like heterodyning ghost tones and stuff like that I think I'm really I don't know that's to be the only thing that isn't a lie <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 fun it's interesting you're talking about the fulcrum and stuff because like I'm making notes last night going through comics and one of the things I wrote down was the balance with nature and it seems like you're, you know, we have these characters in their weird, altered reality, but nature in itself is an important part of it that kind of they're involved in, but not taking over. So, the whole balance. What? What's that? I'm sorry. I, I was just saying how um, you you have a balance in that, it, like you're talking about the fulcrum of how everything goes together and, and and I wrote down in my notes about there being like a really important balance of nature within your comics of what what the characters are going through and where they're living yeah I like the idea of these systems I like uh, trying to find out about them now let's I like running through possibilities or something Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Power Masters, your main work out there. Um, book two just came out, I guess, a couple months ago. And um, I kind of feel like I'm reading an extended Dungeons & Dragons game in some aspect. Yeah, it, a lot of people say that. 
which is funny because I never got to play that game really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that much about it, although I know that there's balances of power that happen out of, um, you know, different, like, uh, checks and balances that different characters will have. So that sounds interesting to me. But yeah, I never had the opportunity to play that really because I didn't really have... I mean, I, there was no kids that lived near me to play those kind of games. So. I didn't play it either. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, maybe I'm just making assumptions. Um, so Power Masters this year first will take on a bigger story. Um, Where did the idea of doing Power Masters come from and what's the, the eventual goal with it? Well, I guess it's about youth, maybe, and um, learning, things like that. And uh, uh, um, I don't know, in some ways it's like a stepping stone of just like trying to take on all these different uh, ideas that I'm interested in all at once and just doing my best to try and make it work <laughs> I think I'm very aware of it as a first effort even yeah. as I'm doing it and um, I mean I'm working hard to make it interesting for myself and to make it readable for other people hopefully to some degree <laughs> um, uh, I don't know I guess it, it, it kind of tells me what to do so to a certain extent, I'm not really sure what it's for, except to talk about things that are um, things that are hard to name. Mostly, it's just about the mysteries of uh, human ability, capability, and mysteries of um, I don't know, just unknown energies, blank energies, uh, and a lot of times that means scary energies, things that you don't know. Unknown means, uh, it's like, I don't know, that's the scariest thing, the unknown. So that's, I guess it's, it's, it's a little bit about that, like facing the unknown. And each character in their own way is like, um, I don't know, rising to or shrinking from that challenge in different ways. They have all developed these complex, or maybe not complex, but um, elegant or um, brutish ways of responding to those problems. And that's what people do, and that's what every animal in nature that has a specialized body and a specialized mind, they're all approaches to a task of survival and a task of gathering knowledge, things like that. So it's a very basic story of just life and just um, survival and mystery and um, celebration mm -hmm. and transformation. That was a big thing for me reading a lot of your work is transformation seems to be a an important aspect in all sorts of different stuff where figures characters take on different aspects and trans you know transmutation transformations 
Well, it's funny because everybody says I'm the same, but uh, you're never the same. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just it might as well be oxygen. It's just everything. Everything is that way. Everything is transformation and energies are changing all the time. As I answer this phone to talk to you or something, then something else is taking shape. It's not visible, but it's, um, it's real. And in a few minutes, we're both going to hang up and things will be different in a new way. And it's, it's very subtle, you know, but those subtleties are what make larger differences in time like I don't know those subtle differences are important so maybe I'm just exploding some some subtle differences in a drawing mm-hmm. or just trying to show something that's invisible um, show a feeling or an energy or something now um, in yourself I mean we're talking about duality and balances um, you yourself have two different aspects. You've got the comics, and then you've got the music. Do you differentiate between the two? Do you take time to do music, time to do comics? Do they work together for you in other aspects? I try. I feel like in some ways, maybe just because they're so explicitly time-demanding, um, I focus on comics, or like at least I feel a lot more guilty if I haven't been doing comics. Um, and drawing and stuff is honestly how you know that's how I make money or whatever so and music doesn't really make any money so to a certain extent I have to be drawing and I don't have to be making music as far as practical stuff is concerned but um, I don't know they're connected they're, they're connected in the most basic um, ways of fascinations and stuff like the kind of fascinations I've been talking about mm-hmm. about these formal things and stuff but I think that I get to deal with stuff in music that is really hard to deal with in comics and vice versa with your music um, if you don't mind chatting about that for a little bit um, it seems like you're really pushing more I guess emotional aggression with some of the more noisier stuff? Yeah, maybe in the past. I don't know. Maybe now. I don't know. It's tough for me to say. The way people read stuff is, can be pretty different from what your intention is. And, um, I mean, I like, I like many different kinds of music. Um, but what I listen to isn't necessarily what I want to make. Yeah. I think just generally I've been after... I think um, when I was younger or whatever, it was just after some kind of like rawness or like some kind of like vibrant, um, just like weird psychedelic explosion uh, that's happening in that same crossroads that I was talking about of some kind of ecstasy and agony or um, some kind of like. I think that's a test apartment album. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know, that, that flip-flop point, um, and just the extremes of sound, how, um, if you hear something
something really loud then first it's like really jarring but then as time goes on it sort of um it's like a numbing effect or something mm-hmm. or a soothing effect um so and even like quiet sounds at first uh can be calming and after a while it's grating like having this like tiny quiet sound happening like all the time like in the background can be like so disturbing so I think there's a lot of room for uh contradiction and stuff in that um but yeah I don't know aggression hate (laughs) (laughs) young hate young hate (laughs) what was some of the noise stuff that you got into that drew you in I'm always curious yeah or people because um, hmm. I even I noticed a little Croat Rock thing wondering about something whether or not it was Can or Faust or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big music fan. I like a lot of bands. I like I like Steely Dan. I like uh, I don't know White House. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of bands. A lot of bands. <laughs> 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 I think in a way maybe. Nothing wrong with the little White House. <laughs> I think the kite stuff maybe, in a weird way, is more influenced, or maybe even what I'm doing now is more influenced by, like, um, I don't know, like, Roxy Music or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, um, or just, I don't know, some kind of, like, glam. I don't know, just, like, some gay synthesizer music and stuff. <laughs> like, some Bronsky beat or, like, uh, I don't know, just some straight straight fag sequencer stuff um I don't know yeah, new order. yeah I love that that kind of stuff OMD whatever um I don't know this stuff can influence you in, in weird ways like uh like if you're thinking about the Ramones or something and then you sit down to do something and what you do doesn't sound anything like the Ramones but like the energy of the Ramones and like their the quality of their lives or whatever or your or their imagined lives or something can affect what you're doing and maybe what you're doing comes out sounding like blondie or something or I don't know it, it's hard to say exactly but uh, yeah I don't know too much stuff too much stuff to name but right now I'm really into 80s a lot of 80s music from the 80s yeah. well, but it hasn't always been that way I don't know, lots of stuff, billions of things. There's lots of good stuff out there. What's your uh, latest music project called? Um, right now I'm doing this thing called Mark Lord. It's sort of, um, I don't know, it's electronic music. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Lord? Yeah. Well, I, ha- I have to pass on that the uh, music director here at the station is a, uh, a big fan of your music, so you have, uh, have some love here at CITR. Well, outside of the comic area it's, uh, he actually does a, a noise show called a noise and so he, yeah um, so what do you got coming out for the future uh, I guess it's going to be a while to the next Power Masters book and you just had the big Kramer's piece the two yep. pager um, yeah Power Masters takes a lot of time um the next one's supposed to come out in the fall. I'm trying to do one a year, just to like sort of 
keep it limping along. Although I'm aware that in America, that's that it's okay to take like two years to draw a thirty-page comic. But I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> hear that, I, Joe Matt. I'm trying hard to just I don't know get at least you know hundred pages out a year or whatever um, on that story because I, ha- I have something that I'm working on in terms of like making notes and stuff. I'm already thinking about the next project, which I'm is going to be some kind of like uh, uh, I don't know what it's going to be. I, I guess you could loosely call it a horror comic, but I don't really know why to name it yet. Um, but I'm preparing to do that, and I'm really excited about that. So in some ways, uh, I'm excited for Power Masters to be done so I can begin that. How far is Power Masters going to go? Six volumes is the projected length. All right. Um, but sometimes it seems like I'm not going to be able to fit it all in there. So I don't know. I'm going to try. It'll just keep going and going. I just have to do things at my own pace, I guess. And my storytelling, I feel like, is getting more and more uh, spaced out. And I'm trying to like shorten it or something or have a little bit of brevity or whatever but I just I don't know why it just seems like I need more and more pages and it's not like a lot's happening or like the drawing's any better or whatever but it just seems like it takes more space I don't know I think maybe that might be the hardest thing in comics is pacing mm-hmm. like ultimately that's probably and that's what you can play with the most I think as you get older um, well that was uh Art Spiegelman's big focus with Mouse was mainly the pacing, that it was non-stop, constantly going, so you just couldn't stop reading it. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's a challenge for weird. all. A lot of weird things that happen with panel sizes and arrangements and, I don't know, even just the drawings themselves, the way they lead the eye and stuff. It's very strange. There's a lot of a lot of room for experimentation in there. Subtle experimentation doesn't have to be like, here's my comic, I glued a tennis shoe to a crystal board or whatever. It's <laughs> like weird, weird little quirky things that you can do that maybe nobody even knows about, but it's just like your own experiments. I don't know, that's just really fun. I think that the next thing I do, that horror comic, is probably going to have even more... Uh, kind of ponderous pace although that book I'm going to try to do all at once um, so people won't have to wait they can just sort of read it all but I'm I'm expecting a big lag between the two or I'm working on it well it takes time what's that? it takes time it does indeed it does indeed well thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today sure that was uh Christopher Forges. Um, his book is Power Masters from uh, Picturebox Inc., as well as got stuff in uh, Kermit's Ergot and a whole slew of other things. Um, I think it's one of the Gansfeld books. And check him out. Uh, also records on the music name of Kites. And uh, his more recent project, uh, I said, was called Mark Lord. And I'll try and get links to whatever I can find for that stuff. Um, Yeah. See you all later.